stand with us as we worship the Lord together. And I will sing forever of your love. Come down with my hands to heaven. Shout your praises loud. I was lost in darkness when you pulled me out. I will sing forever of your love. Come down. could not see chains of sin had shackled me but god in heaven heard my plea jesus jesus rescued me jesus jesus rescued me and i will sing forever of your love come down with my hands to heaven shout your praises loud i was lost in darkness when you pulled me Precious blood's atoning. Then 
right. Well, welcome to the service this morning. Um, am I on? Do I need to speak louder? Am I on? I'm good. I can speak louder. A um, couple of announcements to share with you as we continue in our service. Um, first of all, if you are interested in church membership, um, you can either see myself today or talk to Pastor Bob when he gets back uh, next week. I know there are a number of people that are interested, and there will be something going on as far as a class. But if you are interested, this will probably be the last time we'll announce it for a little while. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, please see either myself this week or Pastor Bob next week. The baby bottle campaign is back underway. If you look in the back, there's a basket full of baby bottles, and maybe you are not... You don't want to take a bottle home with you this year. Well, they have something new, something new. And it, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but you can take it and read it. You can take it and read it. And uh, then you don't have to worry about a middleman. You can, you can figure it out for yourself. Um, there's instructions right here about how to fold it and everything. So uh, if you don't want to take a bottle, you can take one of these. Easter Sunday begins uh, at 9.30. There's no Sunday school on April 16th, um, but there will be a service, of course, on Easter starting at 9.30 in the morning, and we will be um, partaking of the Lord's Supper on that day. We'll be having communion. Northern Dauphin Christian School live auction and dinner. We have four tickets available, right, Debbie, still? And we need to know today if you are interested in going because we have to get that and that information still. So if that's something you would like to do, a place you would like to go, please uh, make sure that you see Debbie today to um, kind of mark your spot for the tickets. Another auction is the Friends in Action benefit auction. There is a date change. That is now on Tuesday, April 11th. There are some forms in the foyer. If you are interested in going to that, um, please make sure you notice the date change. There are also different things that are available, and they have the times, so you don't have to go for the entire event. You can go for maybe what you're hoping to get from the event as far as household items, collectibles, furniture, or you can come for dinner and be there for the, the event. There's plenty of food and fresh pie. So if that doesn't make you want to go. Um, the church is also having a yard sale May 10th through 12th. So uh, a lot of things going on in the life of the church right now. Uh, and I, I just encourage you to maybe take time and to look through your bulletin to kind of keep yourself up to date about the different things that the Lord is doing and things that we're a part of here at Word of Life Chapel. Let's open our service with a word of prayer this morning. Gracious Father, we are so thankful to be gathered together today. Lord, there's something special about Sundays, or just is, when we gather together in your name and for you alone. Lord, I ask that this service this morning is just filled with your presence. Father, fill this place. Speak truth into our hearts, into our souls, into our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen.
for that number I know my redeemer lives now if I'll ask you to stand with me and we'll sing tis so sweet to trust in Jesus hymn number 312 <coughs> Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. 
All right, I encourage you to get out your prayer ministry sheet. Uh, you're able to follow along and see some of the different requests that we pray for as a church each week. Um, this is just such a neat tool. I know I say this often, but if you're someone that maybe struggles to remember things, to be able to have this on a weekly basis, to be able to look over and pray over and be reminded of, of different requests that we have as a church for our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. A couple of, of things I'm going to highlight, and then we'll pray together. Um, first of all, Gary Schultz. It's great to have Gary back with us. He is doing well, doing remarkably well for having surgery a couple days ago. So uh, great to have you here, Gary, and we're, we're uh, praising the Lord with you. Um, Patty Meckling. Patty Meckling just found out this week that she has breast cancer. She has breast cancer. So as I was talking to Jeff, um, she will be beginning chemo next week. Um, so she's definitely someone to keep in prayer, to keep the whole family in prayer. Um, as, as you know, you know, Pat continues to recover from her bypass surgery. So this is definitely something stressful on the family. Uh, but we'll be praying with you guys um, through all of this. Also, Donnie Miller's brother passed away yesterday. Um, was wrestling with pneumonia, correct, Donnie? And uh, congestive heart failure. And uh, so our prayers are with you guys as well. Um, so if you think of it, we don't have any details yet as far as a service or anything like that, but let's keep the Miller family uh, in prayer as well. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we come before you this morning with heavy hearts. God, we you know that you're the God in control of all things. And we also know that there is a season for all things. Lord, first of all, we praise you because you are sovereign and in control. We praise you because you love us beyond our comprehension. Lord, we're so thankful as we move into this Easter season for the continued reminder of Christ's sacrifice for us, even though we did not deserve it. Christ died for us. Lord, we praise you for Gary's surgery and bringing him through and back to himself again. We ask that you continue to strengthen Gary and bring him back to a full recovery. Lord, we think of Patty and the family, that, Lord, you would provide healing for her. Father, bring her through the next chemo treatment. May the doctors be amazed at your healing power. And may all glory be given to you and to you alone. Lord, we also think of the Miller family. Father, losing a loved one is never easy. Lord, we pray for the peace that passes all understanding. Father, you would surround them with your love and with people who love them, that they are able to know and feel the love of Christ. Lord, we also think this week of Pastor Bob and Sue as they're away on vacation. We ask, Lord, that you help them to just have a very restful time away. Father, help them to come back refreshed and re-energized, excited. And Lord, we ask that you just help them to be able to just relax and enjoy their vacation. Lord, now we ask that you use the rest of this service for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
was lost and I was in chains the world had a hold of me my heart was a stone I was covered in shame when he came for me I couldn't run couldn't run from his presence I couldn't run couldn't run from his arms Jesus he loves me he loves me he is for me Jesus how can it be he loves me 
Would you stand with us? Sing shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Just a little bit of a theme this morning with the songs, uh, just talking about Jesus. 
Um, and there's one more song we would like to, to play. The words will be on the screen behind us, and I ask that you just follow along. Sweet Jesus, and my Savior, you are my faithful friend. You made me, and you know me, and you've seen my every sin. And my soul is amazed by the gift of your grace. And the arms that take me in, and sweet Jesus, my Savior, you are my faithful friend. Sweet Jesus. My shelter, you are my faithful friend, the refuge I run to when my world comes closing in. Why should I be afraid when I know I am saved by the arms that take me in? Sweet Jesus, my shelter, you are my faithful friend. Sweet Jesus, Sweet Jesus, my shepherd, my shepherd, you are my faithful friend, and you, you hold me, and you lead me, and I'll follow to the end. And once more, I will say, on that beautiful day. When your arms take me in, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, my shepherd, my shepherd, you are my faithful friend. And once more I will say on that beautiful day. When your arms take me in, sweet Jesus, sweet Jesus, my shepherd, my shepherd, and my savior, my savior, and my shelter, you are my faithful friend.
Jesus. Who is Jesus? That's the question. That's the question. Was he a real person? What did he say? What did he do? What made him so special? What made him different than any other man in history? The records show his birth was a miracle. His mom was a virgin and she was pregnant. He made the blind see. The deaf hear. The mute speak. The paralyzed walk. He healed terrible diseases. He knew what was in men's minds. He knew what was in men's hearts. He knows what is in men's hearts. He knew the story of people's lives without ever having met them. He spoke with authority. He amazed teachers. He amazed everyone. Nature obeyed him. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He walked on top of the water. He could change the weather. He fed 5,000 people from one lunchbox. He brought people who were dead back to life. He loved sinners. He loved everyone. 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 He forgave sins. He never made a mistake. He never once sinned. But we judged him. We whipped and beat him. We spit on him. And we killed him. He loved us anyway. He loves us anyway. He died for us. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He paid for our sins with his life. Did I mention he loves us? He came back to life. He was dead. Then he was alive. A lot of people saw him. He is coming back. Who is Jesus? That's a big question. That's the big question. What does it even matter? What does it matter to you? Who is Jesus? My answer doesn't matter to you. Only your answer matters to you. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? look at and talk about who is Jesus, who is Jesus, and uh, it's, it's definitely more than a two-week study, uh, but that's time that we have before Easter to look at who Jesus says that he is. Now, I was just made aware, we're going to step off topic for a minute, if you find any Easter eggs around where you are, they're left over from Awana, so please get them back <laughs> to Joe Rank, and uh, I think we've already found three this morning. So, you are welcome to eat the candy after you leave the sanctuary. <laughs> just, just joking, just joking. Um, but let, let's start with this. Who are you? And how would you define yourself? Let's say that I gave you five minutes to tell me who you are. Or maybe you're, you're in a, a speed dating scenario. You're sitting across the table from someone and you're trying to quickly share with them who you are. What would you say? Well, we're at church. I hope you would say you're a follower of Christ. I hope you would say that you are redeemed. Maybe you would say, I'm a huge basketball fan. March Madness. I'm a huge runner. I am an avid 
painter. I am a lover of books. I'm a diehard Coca-Cola drinker, but not Pepsi. I'm a huge Eagles fan, which is usually followed by, I have high blood pressure. You can define yourself at a surface level. And those are all surface level things. But who are you really? What if we look deeper than that? Deeper than the surface. Many people knew of Jesus. They knew about Jesus. They'd heard about the miraculous things that he'd done. Maybe they witnessed them. But who was Jesus? Now, before we go any farther this morning, let me state that here at Word of Life Chapel, we believe 100% that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the beginning. But Jesus gives us seven statements in the book of John, seven I am statements. Maybe you're familiar with them. And that's what we're going to look at over the next two weeks. Who Jesus wants us, what Jesus wants us to know about him. Things that you might not see, but he says, ah, you need to know this. <laughs> this is important. Now you might remember another I am statement that was not in the New Testament. When Jesus says the statement, I am... He is telling us that he is God and equating himself with God the Father. Would you open your Bibles with me this morning to John chapter 10? John chapter 10. And that's the first I am statement that we're going to look at. What does Jesus want us to know about him? The first statement that Jesus says is, I am the gate. Here's what the Bible says. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I come that they may have life, and they may have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand. He cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. 
I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I am the gate. Now, in this passage, I know that was a long passage of scripture, and we're going to look through it really quickly here, just because of time. We have a couple other things I'd like to touch on. But he says, I am the gate, and he says, I am the shepherd. Now, if you were here last week, Caleb Federhoff presented a wonderful, wonderful presentation on the fact of shepherds and what God says about that. So if you were here last week, or if you were not here last week, please go on to the website. This is not a plug. This is so you can listen. WOLchapel.com. And you can click on podcast and you can listen to what Caleb had to say last week. It was tremendous. It really was. It really was. Very challenging. But today we're going to look at I am the gate. Now what is Jesus saying here? He's saying he is the door to the fold. Growing up in Bolivia, they still had some of these old type of sheep pens. We would drive up into the Andes Mountains right, going up uh, Tunari or, or some of the other mountains, and as you drive up and you see the llamas and everything you're going, you see these uh, circular, circular pens that were built with rocks. And they'd stack one rock on top of another rock on top of another rock, and they would make it, and it would go around, and they would use it to put their animals in. And there was only one way in and one way out. Not like our sanctuary this morning where we have two exits, there was one way. And Jesus says that he is the gate. There is one way to heaven, and we're going to look at that a little more next week. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the problem. Is that's not what people are saying anymore, is it? I remember having a conversation with someone at, at a previous church that we were at, and the man was, was very involved, very, very nice man. And I remember him telling me that he is a Christian, but he doesn't believe that's the only way to get to heaven. And I said, oh, I said, well, well let, let's talk about this. I, I love those kind of conversations. And we begin to discuss, and he says, well, I, I think that, you know, that, that somehow God is going to work it out where, you know, even if you don't believe in Jesus or whatever, you know, you're, you're still going to go to heaven. I said, well, do you believe in the Bible? And he said, yes. So, so you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And he said, yes. So I said, here's the deal. Either you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and that every word that he says is true, or you don't. It's one or the other. We can't pick and choose what we're comfortable with in the word of God. Either Jesus is who he says he is, or he's not. C.S. Lewis says this, I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him being Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said was a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He did not leave that open for us. You know, I wonder why it looked like my slides were out of order. 
This is the second slide, and the next one's the third. Let me read it again. That way we can really get, because this is so important what C.S. Lewis is saying here. I'm trying to prevent here anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept this claim to be God. That's one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of thing that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He didn't leave that open to us. He didn't intend to. Either Jesus is who he says he is, and the words that he says are true, or they're not. And you make your choice this morning. I know what I believe. I know what we believe here at Word of Life Chapel. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is, 100%. But that's not what the rest of the world believes. According to a Barna Research Group study in 2011, 25% of Christians believe that all people will eventually be accepted by God. 25% of people. 26% of people believe... 26% of Christians believe that it doesn't matter what religion you follow because they all teach the same lessons. 40% of Christians believe that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Back in 2011. That's scary stuff. I mean, if we broke up our sanctuary in accordance to those percentages, it would be 25% believe that 25% believe that all people are eventually accepted by God. That means that Jesus is not the only way, according to what they believe. Jesus says that he is the gate. There's only one way in, and that's through Jesus. In 2016, 55% of Americans believe that good works will get you into heaven. Let me tell you something. If you're relying on your good works, you're not relying on Jesus. What Jesus is saying here is that there's one way in. And I think, as I was thinking through this and working through this, I think sometimes we, even though we might believe there's only one way in, we might act as if there isn't. What am I saying by that? What is your urgency like for the lost people of the world? Does your heart ache for them? You know, we're called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. To imitate Christ. Are you living as if there's only one way to get into heaven? Do you carry that burden for the lost? The next I am statement that we're going to look at this morning is found in John chapter 15, verse 1. John 15, I encourage you to turn with me there. This is a very, very, very familiar one. I am the... If you're at youth group and you said the right answer, I throw you a piece of candy. So, <laughs> Yeah, if you find an Easter egg, you can have the candy from that. I am the vine. I am the vine. Let's read together. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, I remain in you. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. It withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Looking back at verse 5, apart from me you can do nothing. We are to abide in Christ, to remain in Christ. And let me, let me give you a little bit of an illustration this morning. Let's pretend that we are this blow dryer. That you are a blow dryer. What good is this blow dryer right now? It is worthless. It's worthless. If I would go out to the jungle and give this to somebody and say, oh, man, you, you don't even know. When you get out of the river, <laughs> you can dry your hair with this. Well, how? How? This is worthless unless it's connected to the source, to the power source. Then it works. And we need to be connected to the source. This blow dryer will never reach its potential if it, it is not, if it is not connected to the source. And the same goes with us as Christians. We need to remain in Christ. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say, man, I, I really need to work on my patience. I, I really need to work on loving people. I really need to work on being a better Christian. Maybe you felt that way. Here's the secret. Here's the secret. You're never going to get more patience by yourself. You're never going to be able to love people better by yourself. You know when it changes? Is when you remain in Christ. Because apart from Christ, we can do nothing. The Bible says back um, in the Old Testament that our, our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. We are supposed to remain in Christ. And, and I have been challenged recently with the whole idea of, of being in the Word of God. What does it mean to really remain in Christ? Well, to come to church, that's, that's great. And that is so important. To come to be involved in a growth group or, or some sort of small group or Bible study, that's great and important. But remaining in Christ speaks of a personal relationship. Are you personally walking with God? I'm going to read you something off the Barna Research Group website. In the last six years, we've seen unprecedented changes. Nearly a quarter of a century ago, in the year 1991... 45% of Americans said that they read the Bible at least once a week. 2009, 46% of Americans said they read the Bible at least once a week. 2016, that percentage dropped from 46 down to about a third. Down to about 33%. Now, if we're claiming to follow Christ, if we are to remain in the vine, we need to be in the Word of God. <laughs> Don't 
to come and to listen to what I might share with you on Sunday morning or Pastor Bob shares with you is wonderful and great. But your personal walk is going to grow when you take the initiative to go and spend time with Jesus. You have zero excuses. We have zero excuses. We, and, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that part of the reason that we do not invest in the Bible is because we are spoiled. Have you ever seen a spoiled child before? We have the Bible on our phones, on our tablets. We have so many different translations. You can listen to the Bible. You can listen to different voices of people telling the Bible. You can listen to the Bible being told by different people in different characters. We have the Bible series on TV which portrays stories from the Bible. You can even purchase the story version of the Bible, which is just the stories. It has everything else kind of separated so you can work through the stories. We have no excuses. Maybe you don't like to read. You can listen to it. Maybe you don't like to listen. Well, you can read. <laughs> we don't have any excuses. I thought, I thought, as far as my relationship with my wife, let's say that one day I said, you know what, Sarah? Uh, man, I, I appreciate our relationship. I really do. Um, but I, I'm going to let you know when I need something, and then maybe every once in a while I'll, I'll kind of, you know, try and work on our relationship. You know, and the next day comes, and uh, Sarah, I, I really need, I really need a sandwich. And Sarah says, okay, I'll help. And let's say the next day comes, and, and I say, you know what, Sarah, I, I really need a foot rub. She says, okay. Is our relationship going to grow in that way? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Our relationship grows when we invest in each other. And let me tell you something, God is investing in you. He invested his son's life in you. Are you investing in your relationship with God? That requires sacrifice. Because apart from Christ, we can do nothing. You want, you want more patience in your life? You want more love in your life? You want to see the fruits of the Spirit abounding in your life? You need to remain in Christ first. Because it's only what Christ can do in your life that's going to change anything. Is your marriage struggling? Are you remaining in Christ? Lives are changed when people remain in Christ. I remember being in college and uh, having a conversation with someone once who wanted to date this girl, but he was so busy. He was so busy. And he said, I, I just don't even think I have time for a girlfriend. You have time for what you want to make time for. You have time for what you want to make time for. He ended up dating that girl, getting married and everything, la, la, la. But we prioritize what we think to be most important in our life. Last night at Encounter, I shared this, and maybe you're, you struggle with that, as, as many, many people do. Sit down, pull out a blank sheet of paper, and write down the priorities in your life. What comes first? What comes second? What comes third? What comes fourth? Pray over those priorities again and again. And put them up somewhere you'll see them every day so that you are reminded of what comes first in your life and what comes fourth. So that you're reminded where Netflix should go and where God should go. 
or where Facebook should go, and where God should go. The last statement this morning is found in John chapter 6. It's where Jesus says, I am the bread of life, starting in verse 25. Then they found him on the other side of the lake, and they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because of the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from the world, the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And we're going to stop there this morning because of time. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And what is he saying there? What is he saying? He is saying that he is our sustainer. Just as, as the manna came to the Israelites and allowed them to have physical nourishment, Jesus is our spiritual nourisher and our sustainer. But here's the difference. The manna came, and what they were discussing was the manna came for the Israelites. And it was only for the Israelites. And it only satisfied them for a little while before they needed more manna. Jesus, Jesus, came for all people, for all tribes, for all tongues, for all colors. And whoever believes in him will never be hungry. Jesus is trying to show them that there's more to physical survival in life. We often become so worried about materialistic things. It happens to all of us. But that's what earthly bread gives. But Jesus provides spiritual sustenance. He's needed in our spiritual lives. And he makes that very clear. You know, when we're hungry, and this is from a, a David Guzik commentary, when we're hungry, we feel as though food will answer all of our problems. It's the same way with most other practical difficulties we find ourselves in. But just as Jesus tried to lift their understanding above their material and physical needs, we also need to have our minds lifted above those same things. Jesus is saying here, you're often so worried. I am your bread of life. I will sustain you. And it goes back to the fact that Jesus is the vine. If we're not remaining in him, how are you going to be spiritually sustained? You're not. Your walk with God will suffer immensely. If you want to see changes in your life, abide in Christ. It will change your world. I guarantee it. 
Maybe you notice what I do through all of this is that Jesus desires a relationship with us. So much so that he was willing to come and die for us. And I don't know about, about you, but I, I know from my own life, I've done nothing to deserve it. Not even close. As we come into this Easter season, we begin to reflect on Jesus' sacrifice, on his suffering, his death, his resurrection. But here is the real question, and here's the question I hope you think about these next two weeks. Do you know Jesus? I've had conversations with people that have sat in church for decades and never knew Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And if you do, are you remaining in him? Are you working on growing your relationship with him? Because he desires that relationship with each and every one of us today. Next week, we're going to look at the other I am statements that Jesus gives. Who is Jesus? And what does he want us to know about him? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity we have to gather together freely without being afraid of someone coming and breaking down our doors and, and opening your word and seeing what you have to say to us. Lord, we are so thankful for Jesus because we know that without Jesus' sacrifice, we would be condemned to hell. Lord, I ask this week, as we leave today, that you help us to remain in you. Lord, help us to reevaluate our priorities, to put you first. May you truly be the Lord over every area of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you, Tony, for that soul-searching message this morning. I'd like if we would turn now to three, hymn number 313, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less Than Jesus' Blood. Will you stand with me as we sing? And we'd like to... <coughs> I'd like if we would sing... We'll, we'll sing stanza one and two, then the refrain then three and four in the refrain. Hymn number 313. My hope is
privilege we have of <coughs> gathering together to worship you and study your word. We thank you for the message of the morning. Now, Father, as we are challenged with this message, we pray each one of us would take it with us this week and remember the challenge that lies before us. Thank you again, Father, for all you've done for us, what you will do. We pray, Lord, that you would give us safety as we travel together homeward, and we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory, for you alone are worshipful, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, with thanksgiving, amen. Thank you, and you're dismissed.